Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever and however you're listening. Welcome to another episode of Hip Hop and Politics. I am one of three hosts, Marquis Lupton, along with... Sophie Roman. And also... And we have two wonderful and distinguished guests with us today. We have our first uh, lupus advocate, Jamil Boys. Jamil, how are you doing today? I am doing well, and also we went to Shippensburg together. So, <laughs> so, so, yep. So uh, he he knows where the bodies are. Y'all's best friends aren't the ships, right? You're nah, the Red right. Raiders. All right, all right. <laughs> and and while while we're on a topic of uh, 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 colleges and everything like that, we have uh, the most distinguished. Uh, hey. Assistant Professor of from 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 FNM, uh, Mark Villegas. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. All right, all right. So, um, you know how we do, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna get it started and get it started right. We're gonna hit you off with the music first and come right back. This is hip hop and politics. Positive, fake smile as I'm out to get an MRI to check for cancer. The test came back positive. They told him to keep it positive. He asked the doctor, Does he gotta give upper leg because of diabetes? The doctor nodded positive. We need something more than positive. We need something more than positive. We need something more than positive. We need the truth. We need something more than positive. We need something more than positive. We need something more than positive. We need the truth. HIV test positive. Lumps on her breast positive. Tested for Down syndrome positive. Was she sleeping around with him? Positive. Was he sleeping around with her? Positive. A child touched by the babysitter? Positive. Gym teacher was prejudiced, positive. A 12 year old pregnant, positive. These things are all negative, positive. Life is not all Cliff Huxtable and the Cosby kids. Life is not all butterflies and rainbows cover skies and angels cover lies and fables. That's why some smoke and some do pills. The truth does hurt, but the truth does heal. Positive. That's why some smoke and some do pills. The truth does hurt, but the truth does heal. Positive. We need something more than positive. We need something more than positive. We need something more than positive. We need the truth. We need something more than positive. We need something more than positive. We need something more than positive. We need the truth. We need it. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, I really hope you enjoyed uh, that uh, 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 song. Um, yeah, uh, hip hop and politics. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, uh, you can uh, send your music into uh, hip hop and politics 717 at gmail.com uh, if you want your music uh, featured on the show. Uh, so while we are on the topic of uh, 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 music and, and hip hop, um, we should just put in that slot the new childish 
Satan, He's got me so fired up about this. The This Is America song with his Easter eggs. First of all, we just need to note that my boo did a good job with the the Easter eggs, first of all, and then just like looking fly with the shirt off and his kind of a dad bod. <laughs> and that beard. It's like all right. There was something to appreciate about how confident he was even with the less than perfect because you know he was a real man mm -hmm. it's a real man mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not everybody got time to you know work on getting in six to eight i don't need nobody that's got mm -hmm. any gym shots on their instagram i'm not <laughs> you know Mirror shots with the toilet in the background and the muscles. I'm not about that life. Show me about like your ramen that you ate and half of it's gone and it's all up on your face. I'm about that life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I could appreciate his um, his I guess confidence mm -hmm. to do that because like he's not like ripped or anything like that. Like. He has an average Joe body. Right. You know. He's no Michael B. Jordan. I, well, I'm not. That's why we have the fellas here today to balance it out. <laughs> <laughs> to balance it out. <laughs> but <laughs> but more specifically about the video. <laughs> um I I really like uh, how how there was imagery in the foreground and in the background. Uh, I I really liked how uh, how um, a lot of the bloggers like the bloggers went crazy. crazy. Oh man! And some of the bloggers like I love the dissection. I love you know going through art like that. But some of these bloggers that were like, if you're making a meme out of out of Childish Gambino's video, you're not getting it. And how dare you like find comedy and hilarity in somebody that uses comedy and humor to get anywho, get off right. your high horses, people. Right, right, please. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> right. Have fun. Right. And the fact and the fact that uh the fact that he 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 did the video in um, the same space that uh, the um, I'm not a racist. Yeah. I you know I even felt like even down to the location, like that was even on point. Yeah. Yeah. On just and in every way, you know the the title of the video. The fact that there's just all these different dancers and dances throughout the video and still mass murder, still giving the option of whether to stop dancing and pay attention and bring about change and put some real work in or to continue dancing and acting like nothing's going on at all. Right. You know, just the... The, the joyfulness that goes on in our in our lives and the interruption of violence in the midst of it 
and needing to constantly keep moving forward um, and smiling and dancing all along. You know, people being totally desensitized by it over time. And and how and how um, um, hitting on the guns, how how each time the gun, you know, was cradled and taken care of and and how the bodies were ravishly just taken away and and, and everything like that, you know, um, and I actually I didn't pick that up at first. I, mm. I, I actually read that, you know, in the blogosphere and then went back and, and looked at it and everything like that because my my first original um uh, uh thought when i saw it was oh well this is like just one huge caricature you know he's he's killing people and people are still dancing around like i took it as and i actually saw one blogger write about it i took it as like the the current minstrel show you know, like, like it's, it's today's blackface, you know what I mean? Like, like how there's, there's, um, our, our, our faces, our bodies are used for, you know, entertainment, comedy, you know, uh, even to cover up all of these tragedies and everything like that. Like when a flood happens, you know, oh, well, let's get all these rappers and singers together and have a benefit concert you know like but how is that really addressing the actual issue i thought he was that's exactly what i got from the video and i thought he was using that imagery to kind of call out how a lot of people assuage their guilt or a lot of people say to themselves i'm not a racist I'm not a racist because I love such and such football player or I love such and such basketball player and I respect them. And it's all of these crazy things are going on in the world and within our culture. And this is how they're looking at us as almost the, like these vaudevillians looking at the, the community that like, and then they're telling us, don't march, don't protest, shut up. Be happy about what you're get you're getting because look at you have you have multi-million dollar football players and you had a president and so I, I thought that's that was the point he was trying to make that like y'all think you're not racist because you appreciate this and this and this and this and you want us to ignore all this because you want to ignore it. Yeah, I think maybe uh, the biggest criticism is is who is this for, right? The audience, uh, who's the audience? Is it for white people or was it for black people, for both? I think some of the criticisms, fairly enough, are waged against uh, the music video in Childish Gambino is, is this helping white people feel better about themselves uh, to watch the minstrel show? So it's pretty smart, I think, in a lot of ways because I think he is trying to invite the criticisms Right, that's the whole point of art is to, to invite that criticism, to critiques from all sides, and now people are talking, so it's it's working, right? But uh, I think the question this question still remains is is this video for white people to make them feel better? You know, to, I'm yeah. not part of that. You know, I'm critiquing the bad people. I'm not part of the, the problem, right? So that's some of the criticisms that I've read about it. So. And I think I don't. I'm I'm proud. This isn't the first time he's done this is sort of called out 
uh, a community and, and even called out the best intentions of, of people because I think he did that in Redbone. Like if you think about Redbone and what it's about, I don't know, I looked it up on Song Genius and last time I looked they had it way wrong. It was about some guy who found out his girl was cheating and that is not what Redbone is about. I'm sorry, anybody can fight me. It is about like he, he reached this success and like he's doing all of these things and his community is coming to him and he's like, you're not being black enough. You're selling out and you need to stay woke if you will, because they're gonna come after you. You're never gonna be this enough for this community. You're never gonna be this enough for this community. And he's gotta figure out how he can stay true to himself as an artist. And, and, and he's doing it again with This Is America and saying like, y'all, you know, yeah, we are all these things, but these are like the issues and things that we're worried about that we need a voice for and you're trying to shut us up. In, in because you would do our art and our sports and all of this happy stuff. And the thing is, that's that's what they 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 want us uh, to only be. You know, like like when you saw that, you know, they were only dancing. So it's like, okay, well, you know, just dribble that basketball. You know, shut just, up and dribble, or whatever. right? Just shut up and sing that song. You know, so like they Get up off your knee, right, yeah. right, right. Mm -hmm. hey, hey, this is America. You know, we 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 handle we handle uh, um, uh, gun violence situations. You know, with care. You know, we we cradle it. You know, and you also saw it. It kept it moving. Took the gun, cradled it kept it moving took the gun issue cradled it kept it moving you know like uh, again even even down to the um uh, police officer um the car you know being in the background and everything like that like everything, down to that yeah everything in the video was very related relatable i was thinking about what <clears throat> Mark was saying about who it was being directed to, who the video was being made for, and like everything was like for us. There wasn't like Bentleys and rapper, like the usual hip hop associated items in a music video. You know, everything was very raw and to the point, and it they're, li they're left very little to distract you from what was being thrown at you. Usually in videos, you kind of lose sense of the lyrics because the music videos are depicting so much of what's going on. Sometimes they do or don't have anything to do with the song, but for visual purposes mm -hmm. and to keep you drawn in, mm -hmm. you know, there's and all And to sort of form of a brand, a lot of it is, you know, like girls, Bentley, champagne, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Where's the money? Where's the money? Right. Whereas Childish Gambino is like, already is like, this is my brand. And this is what I'm up to. This is what I'm doing. Almost in the same way that is kind of like, he is kind of doing your, your hip-hop video trope, but in a different way. So like the hip-hop video trope is that this is my come up. This is all the things I got now. Check, check out these ladies. Check out these cars. 
And now Childish Gambino is kind of like, this is the come up now, y'all, for people of color. This is what we're dealing with. This is what we have. This is what we're thinking about. And then this is what y'all are seeing us as. What well, my goal, it would actually be really awesome if Childish Gambino made it cool to be woke. How about that? Like, that would be something that no no one's been able to achieve so far. They've just been woke themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you have those Holier comments. Than thou. Yeah, and your Talib Kweli's. Right, 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 and right. Those, those artists who are conscious and they are woke themselves. But creating that awareness and somewhat of a propaganda and now having media to use as a vehicle I mean, it's possible that we could see that. I mean, but that would require us actually finding out who we are. True. And True. and then the wokeness is going to, you know, hopefully be a catalyst to change. Mm -hmm. but, but it has to be um, uh, like a like a sustainable wokeness. Like, 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 it, it can't be that. fake, you know? Because wokeness also can be subjective at times. And I think a lot of people's experience and truth and reality differs among individuals and obviously experiences and environments growing up. Um, but I think, yeah, true wokeness starts with you figuring out what your experience, your perspective is. And then understanding, okay, first of all, that's not all of the perspective. That's not the entire experience. Other people have different experiences. And I feel like that's being woke. Right, right. Just to go back to my point of who is this video for, uh, just getting the reactions from a couple of folks uh, that, that watched the video. Uh, some of them don't listen to hip-hop, didn't really grow up with that. So when I got their reactions of, oh, I have to talk about this. This is something that I have to uh, digest and, and dissect. Uh, I'm like, well, hip-hop has been around for a long time. So for me, the video, it, yeah, it's a spectacle. There's a lot of provo provocateurness. It's very provocative. I get that. But at the same time, I was like, you know, there have been hip-hop songs like this in the past, mm -hmm. you know? late 80s I don't know if I'm the oldest person in this room whatever <laughs> um, but I like this wokeness this idea of, of just uh, being provocative hip-hop has been doing that for decades now True. especially the late 80s you know Islam you know mm -hmm. black black power do the right thing Spike Lee um, early 90s was about provoking uh, white America right mm -hmm. like poking at it mm -hmm. and trying to elicit a response mm -hmm. and this is what Childish Gambino has been doing and you know he's like the, you know, he's a little bit younger in terms of compared to other rappers mm -hmm. um, so I you know the question of who is this for I think this is for a new generation of, of white people who want to be allies right? okay I, in a way right it's also yeah. like it's for a lot of people but in terms of who is this trying to elicit a response from uh, it, it, it is more mainstream than let's say the niche hip-hop of the, the late 80s early mm -hmm. 90s but it's not new, that's one thing I kind of took away from it, is hip-hop right. has been doing this for a while, and now people are like, oh, okay, let's pay attention to him, because he's on Atlanta, and he's, mm. you know, he was on Community, and, and he has a bigger audience than, than the woke folks of the late 
80s, right? I don't know. Well, he, he had the opportunity because he is younger and he came up a little differently than like 90s and 80s contro controversial rappers yeah. that he had the opportunity to serve more as a bridge. You know what I mean? Like with his comedy and, and being a blurred, a black nerd, like he kind of already had white people. He already kind of was like acceptable to white people. And then he came over and started doing his own thing and started saying the things he actually needed to say and already had their attention. And I think you're right. I think he got people that wanted to be allied to really start to talk about it and think about their their perspective and our perspective. Um, we, we have a comment. Um, Isla McKee, she says, uh, what's the point of being woke if the individuals and community don't come together to make a change. And then she continues to say, uh, 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 talking about woke people, uh, woke but keeping a blindfold on, uh, it's pointless. Being who's more woke and not making a change defeats the moment mm -hmm. and the movement. Um, I I actually want to hit on that, like like this whole like, you know, over, over woke or like, you know, you're, you're not as woke. Or like you know, holier than woke. Right, right, right. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm big woke. You little woke. Right. You know, like, <laughs> um, when it when it comes to that, you know, um, and when it comes to dating, mm -hmm. you know, how how do we'll start with the men? How do fellas feel? <laughs> Jamil, he's hiding over there. Yeah. He, <laughs> um. How do you feel uh, uh, about what's what's going on um, with like some of the blowback from from childish Gambino and saying, "Oh well, you can't be woke and dating uh, a white girl or, or 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 anybody outside your race. Like you got to be, you know, it it got to be black love or or nothing else. That's that's being true true woke. To me, I think." He's just expressing himself, and it was just in a distraction. Other people look at it as you have to be, if he, like that video he just put out, you should be full-blown black. Mm -hmm. From from that perspective, then you, you shouldn't be dating outside your race. He's just love is love. He's doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Let the man be. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm just saying, you date who you want to date, and... Like other people's business, it's just yours. Like, right? That's how I felt about it. Right. Mm. I get. I feel like this is a recycled argument, right? This comes up like every 10, 15 years. Didn't Common, like 10, 15 years ago, say something the along whole, the lines? It goes back to the interracial, or you know, relationship. He said, you know, "Oh, when I ever see, whenever I see a Rasta dready dude with a white girl, I feel like that's yeah. not right." He said something yeah, like something to like that, that effect, yeah, yeah. like 10, 15 years ago, and 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 remember, uh, stay the last dance. Yeah. yeah, that movie was all about <laughs> that, right? Yeah. And Nikki was all up in Julia Stiles' face because Julia Stiles was dating her brother. Who what I forget his name, but he was like going to GW Georgetown yeah, to be a doctor. And I, I get the argument. I guess I, I, I get the uneasiness. And there was a there was a scene in Atlanta 
when yeah. they were at this party yeah. and there was this white girl with this like up and coming actor who was this black dude and this other girl gets all up in her face <laughs> and the, 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 the white girl's like, but I've been with him since he did community theater. Right. Like, I, I've just been with this man since he was nothing. And then the woman was like, See, you can afford to be with some community theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, but I mean, to me, I, I'm Puerto Rican is not a race. Mm -hmm. We are a mutt of people. We are African. We are Spanish. We are European. My, you look at my mom, and you're like, there goes a white girl. But nobody is more Spanish than this than this woman. I'm with the love is love. I mean, that's just how I was brought up. But I understand people's sort of like uneasiness. And maybe if that's how they want to believe, I don't know. If they want to live their lives that way, I think I get that. Uh, I want to get everybody's opinion on this. So we're going to the <laughs> one by one. Mark, get ready because you're, you're, you're after Nina. If you're one of those people, now I'm not going to say what kind of person I am, because I'm not going to do that. <laughs> if you're one of those people that believes that you want to keep the bloodline, the black bloodline, pure, strong, and that mixing it with other bloodlines taints it or weakens it, if you're one of those type of people, then I can see where you feel like you should only date inside your race. Because there are people like that. Like, they want to just keep things pure, you know? Um, they, have, they have white people that are purists as well that still believe that you shouldn't mix white blood, white with white. I mean, white with anything else. Um, but um, we got a caller. We got a caller, ladies and gentlemen. Um, hello, caller. You're on the air. I'm not sure his phone number. <laughs> hello, caller. You're on the air. Hello. Hey, Manny. Manny. Pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, well, well, um, for the people that are, uh, listening out there, uh, can you introduce yourself and, uh, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my name is Manny Guzman. I live in the city of Reading, and I'm running for state representative in District 127. So the district of the 127 covers the majority of the city of Reading and, um, two little areas called Penhurst. So uh, my, my district represents about 64,000 people. Uh, a 65 percentage of, percentage of those people are of Latino descent. And uh, so right now I'm running against a long-term incumbent who's been in office since 1977. So for 42 years, he's been in office 12 years longer than what I've been alive. Wow. Dang. So when, when was y'all's primary? Did you have one? So the primary is actually on Tuesday. This Tuesday, All right. 18th. All right. Uh, so it's right around the corner. Uh, it's literally at this point four days away. Right. Mm. Right. Mm. So, 
So how how important is it uh, for your district um, uh, to have to have some new blood um, to to moreover uh, moreover have some uh, representative uh, uh, have a representative rather that that represents them? Uh, how, how important how important is it? How vital is it uh, to get this um, incumbent out? Well, it's so important. I mean, you know, you look at our sister cities, like where you guys are in Lancaster, you look at Allentown, you look at Bethlehem, uh, you know, those cities, you guys are going through a revitalization. And the city of Reading, which matches somewhat of the characteristics of most of those cities, what's happening is that we're continually one of the most impoverished cities, in the, not only in the entire state, but in the entire country. Mm-hmm. You know? percent of our residents live at, near, or below the poverty line. And so, you know, the gentleman who I'm running, who I'm running against, who's been in office for 40, for 40 plus years, you know, my opinion is, is frankly, you've had your time to help us improve. You've had more than enough time uh, uh, to help move Reading in the right direction. And instead, you know, all we really have gotten is, you know, all we really, all has, but what has really happened is we have not moved in the right direction. The, and at the pace that other cities like Lancaster, Allentown, Bethlehem, we haven't kept up pace with those with those cities. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, you know, recently, you know, again, the incumbent, the guy who I'm running against, uh, recently, two years ago, paid out a $248,000 taxpayer sexual harassment payout. Wow. Uh, to, hush, to, to hush one of the workers that worked for him. So that was money that, you know, the citizens of Reading paid for. That is the current repre- congressional, state congressional representative? That is the current state representative. That is correct, yes. Wow. What? So how is he even, how's he doing in the polls then? What are people thinking about that? Well, you know, listen, you know, it, 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 you, I, I don't know what people are thinking in terms of voting for the individual, but, you know, when we have, when you have the governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, asking for his resignation. When you have multiple members of the state legislature asking for his resignation, uh, you know, this guy is continuing to run really, really out of spite. And he's just saying, well, I just want two more years in office. And I'm saying, frankly speaking, we can't afford another two years. No, of we can't. You know, this guy no longer represents me. He no longer represents the women of my district. And, you know, that taxpayer-funded payout is just a cherry on top of what motivated me to want to run. Because, uh, again, he's been in office for 40-plus years, and he has never had a primary opponent. I'm the first guy who's run against him in 40 years. Wow. Wow. How does something like that happen it does it come from like the the party funding him to the point of oblivion for any <laughs> opponent or or I, I can't imagine that the people of reading have been like ah, whatever right members of the Democratic legislature asking for his resignation, 
Um, I don't understand why some members, uh, especially members of the, of the Latino community, you know, I'm Latino myself, and you know, where he has the most support right now is in uh, uh, some members of the Latino community who have told me, well, Manny, listen, you know, Tom has done us favors in the past, so we can't really turn our back on him. And, you know, what I tell them is, you know, listen, a favor is me asking you to borrow $50. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking you to borrow $50, that's a favor. But if, I, if you're asking me as a state representative that you need help with permits, that you need help with getting stuff notarized, that's not a favor, that's me doing my job. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what I tell them is you don't owe him anything. Mm. He's doing his job that, that the people elected him to do. And the moment he made that taxpayer-funded sexual harassment payout, at that moment, he no longer was worried. Because, listen, it would have been one thing if the money came out of his own pocket. I'm not, you know, people make mistakes, fine. I still don't uh, um, support that type of behavior. I think that it's abhorrent. I think that it's horrible. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if it would have came out of his, his own pocket, then it is what it is, right? Then let the voters decide. But this is taxpayer-funded money, you know. And I tell people, you know, imagine what we could have done on our city streets with two hundred forty-eight thousand dollars. Right. Imagine what we could have done for our schools. That Reading School District is one of the most unequitably funded school districts in the entire state of Pennsylvania. You know, so it's like, where where are our values as people, particularly people of color? Where are our values? Are we going to continue to elect an individual just simply because? He's been there for 40 years, um, or are we going to go into a new direction? And that's really what's been our message, you know, as, as we've been knocking on doors and talking to voters. All right. All right. Well, um, Manny, uh, wrapping up here, um, before before we go, um, your top three favorite hip-hop artists. My top three favorite hip-hop artists, Dad, that's a tough question. <laughs> uh, like, oh, I got so many, man. Of course, you know, um, of course I'm going to go with Ho, Jay-Z up there. Okay. Uh, you know, Ho is, the, Ho is the GOAT to me. Um, I'm going to go with J. Cole right now. Oh, oh nice. Oh, and, uh... You know, I had to go old school with a little bit of Jay. J. Cole and Kendrick. Uh, okay. Nice. All right. Nice. That's an all right collection. I'll see you, Manny. Right, right. Man, Manny, you may have gotten a few more votes <laughs> just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Jay-Z has never put out a greater album than Reasonable Doubt. Okay. Uh, Kendrick Lamar has never put out a greater album than Reasonable Doubt. Okay. Uh, Kendrick Lamar has never put out a greater album than True. So, um, um, be, before we um uh he- head out, uh, any uh any last words, um, as, especially for uh, uh Tuesday the fifteenth. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. I have a lot of last words, but I'll keep it very brief here. You know, <laughs> whether you live in Reading, whether you live in Lancaster, the most important thing is that you have to go out and vote on May fifteenth. You know, there's so many of our ancestors that died for the right for us to vote to be to be able to be present on election day on May 15th. 
And what I tell people all the time is that all politics are local. So this, so you know, the presidential elections they're important, you know. But what's more important are the city council elections, are the state representative elections, are the Democratic committee elections. Absolutely. So the reason why we have the orange men in the White House right now is because people like us stayed on the sidelines in 2016. Mm. And so if we want to make changes, not only at the local level, at the state level, and the federal level, then it starts with being present at every single election. And being mm. the is the next point. Okay. Uh, there it is. Get out the vote, PA. Oh, man, it's so important. We cannot, we can no longer allow the status quo to continue. And if we, if we want to dismantle the status quo, then the one way we can do that, protesting has its place. I tell people all the time, you can protest, that has its place in our society, but unless you're actually organizing and voting individuals that believe in what you believe in, then protesting is just, you know, for show. So go out and vote. It's so important. Vote for individuals that you feel care about this, the issues that you care about, and May 15th and all the other elections are just as important as the presidential elections. Mm. Mm. Manny, thank you so much for calling in. I have a dream. Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. What's all right. This nation is going to be a great nation. Yeah. Yeah. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. Closed caskets and hallelujahs. Was it the dream of Martin Luther that they try to shoot you? They brutalize innocent youth and then label them losers and criticize our every move and our positive movements. They say the revolution won't be televised. Instead, we got hella guys telling us lies, but can't tell me why. We the people, mainly mine, are always labeled evil. But it's safer walking the streets and praying at cathedrals. Try to police you by aiming and shooting at your steeple. Try to comply, hands high, they don't believe you. Our culture's refined, not by design of people. I try to draw the line, but the gray side is hard to see through Teach my people to fish, to eat a lifetime Shut down the pipelines and bring back the sight lines We need to realize we can do more than just write rhymes Become a one brand and become a one mind If you have no confidence in self You are twice defeated in the race of life With confidence, you have won even before you have stopped in my subconscious, I always been on some conscious shit But foolish pride had me blinded and on some mindless shit Our lives matter until we have to pay consequences You on the fences but fall on the side of silences Run into honest kids and subject them to stop and frisk Ain't even wildin' but shoot them down on some violent shit Death is prevention, I'm guessing that's what the logic is I missed the lesson, they suggesting it's obvious Never protect you, everything is to misdirect you And they successful, keep an eye who you standing next to not for nothing, they pretend that they stand for something But fall for anything, now they can't stand for nothing Shit is disgusting, I'm embarrassed what we becoming Don't we believe in hate behind and looking for loving It's all or nothing, I decided to side of loving All for nothing, I decided to side of loving So I'm from Southern California. I, I just moved here to Lancaster maybe 10 months ago, eight months ago. And what's really interesting to me about the politics here in this region of the country is that you have these, like a lot of people of color living in these cities, 30%, uh, 40% Latino, African-American. 
and the power structure is white. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I think what's really interesting right now is a lot of folks who are running for office and some of them are really winning and people like Manny, it's hard to believe that you have folks who have been in public office for 40 plus years and only now is Latino, the Latino community really trying to uh, gain the power, gain, gain some power in, in local politics and national, federal, uh, state politics. Uh, it's just a, a mismatch it seems that you have these people of color who basically make up your city and they're not in decision-making roles. Um, so that's it's, something it's a really that exciting time right now. I, 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 you came to Lancaster at the exact right time. Is that right? Because we all just sort of kind of woke up to this, realizing that 60% of the city is brown and we don't have any leadership. And, and I'll even have to say with this past election and this new administration, this new city council, things are starting to, to change. It's a, the most diverse city council we've ever had in history. We, we have a woman mayor now who is, you know, we, we still have a lot of work to do. But at, at least our mayor is aware of, of the quadrant divide between the whole city and is trying to address that, um, is aware of the issues that are taking place when it comes to gentrification and how it's misplacing people um, and about how Lancastrians are feeling less and less like we own our town and more and more sort of pushed out by outsiders and other influencers. So, and they're giving us more opportunity to sort of be part of the conversation. Um, but I, I don't think that's an excuse. I don't think we needed to wait for that permission, if right. you will, or wait right. for that opportunity. Um, we, we should continue to just keep taking it. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know what y'all's opinion, but do you think the Obama administration had to do with some sort of like, uh, people were just very complacent, you know, we got a black man in office in the highest rank, so, uh, let things be and then all of a sudden 2016 came around and now it's just the exact opposite The grassroots is revitalized, right? Now people I are running for office. a scary good point. Yeah. I, I think there was a stand-up special, I, for, I forget who it was, but he was like, he was kind of saying about how people are railing on him like, oh, you care about politics now? Where were you three years ago when so-and-so did such-and-such? And he was like, well, I wasn't paying attention at the time and I know you think that's weak but it's not because I didn't worry at the time because so-and-so looked like he was good at his job looked like he was kind of competent and I kind of felt like everything was gonna be okay now I don't really feel like anything's gonna be okay right yeah I, I know um, uh, for 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 me uh, specifically um, uh, I got involved uh, like the George Bush, uh, John Kerry race. Um, that's when I got involved. That was when we just could start voting. Right, really right. at the time. Yeah, yeah, Right, yeah. and then, um, then like Obama just, you know. Killed it for us. Oh, my gosh. Just energized us. Oh, my gosh. And I think, yeah, we fell asleep at the wheel, got complacent, and, um, and. And woke up in La La Land. Right. <laughs> Right, we, Did we ever? Yeah, yeah. Like, we blacked I, out. We woke up that? in some stranger's house. Right, right. And I got um, I received so many inboxes. Like that's actually one of the reasons why I ran. 
uh, for city council was because I got so many inboxes like, hey, are you going to run? Are you going to run? Are you going to run? We got to do something. We got to do something. And and like that panic caused people to be like, oh my gosh, now we need to get politically involved because there's a uh, there's a political class, you know, and they are making our decisions and i think that's what you were uh, alluding to he, he about hit right on the head that was right. so perceptive of you that you noticed right. about our city right well and then uh, just not to to i have to i just got um seated on the public art advisory board for the city oh congratulations but for like three years before that i had been yelling at the powers that be, at the current magazine owners and culture keepers of the city that like y'all are whitewashing our city. You are not representing 60% of the people that live here. We only see like the most polite and commercial viable art within a point one mile square area. And y'all want to pat yourselves on the back for being a creative city when you don't even know what creative is. Right. And so they're they're starting to realize, all right, people are feeling um, unrelated to, people are feeling disconnected. And so maybe we should bring those voices in that are telling us about ourselves and see like, okay, well then what can we do? And I'm like, well, I got some ideas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. So congratulations to Sophie. Thank you. Thank yes. You. Yes. Congratulations. You know, she's uh, going to be there to uh, uh, chew bubblegum and kick butt. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. all out of bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving on, um, wanted wanted to really uh, uh, hit on, you know, the culture the hip-hop culture um, and, and everything. Shout out to, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, state rep Manny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're rooting for you, man. Everybody in Reading, uh, please make sure that you uh, come out and vote. May 15th, it is it is serious. In Lancaster, make sure that you come out and vote. Um, we have Ismael. Uh, he's running for... State committee. We have Janet Diaz. She's running for state committee. Um, we Jess have uh, King, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. of course, Jess King. You know, um, we have uh, 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 who else? We have Lauren um, Etchill, who, who's also running for um, uh, state committee. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then we have the plethora, plethora, plethora of people um, like myself that's running for city committee. Um, like Joe Morales, he's running for city committee. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on other people and I'm so sorry. Uh, but yeah, May 15th, it's, it's, I call every Tuesday. We have to vote super Tuesday, but, (laughs) but you got to come out and vote. Got to come out and vote. These are the people, just to give a little bit of perspective and, 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 clarity on what Manny was saying about how important local elections are, these are the people that decide that that go to Harrisburg and fight for how much money your school's going to get, how much money your roads are going to get. These are the people that set fines for you. These are the people that you can literally call and say, Penda is doing something screwy with my driver's license or whatever, and they'll be like, I'll call you back 
This happened to me. This happened to me. Mm -hmm. This is real facts because I need some help with some of that. For real. Who can I call? So back in the day, <laughs> back in Do the day, some type of clerical error got like that I hadn't paid a fine, but I did, got my license taken away. Oh. I went through the police. I went through Penda. Nobody would help me. At the time, it was Scott Boyd, I think. At, this was a couple years ago. Somebody told me, one of my white friends, was like, you know, that's what you, your state rep is for. And I was like, <laughs> so I was like, and I was like, here's what's going on. And he was like, that's terrible. You'll have your license back in three days. Mm. These people work for you. And so this is what Manny was saying that, you know, oh, what's his butt? Did me favors and we can't turn his back on, our back on him. And Manny's like, you mean he did your job? Right. You know? Right. What? <laughs> that we're all paying him to do? To paying? Do. And yeah. then we paid you to harass somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Oh, what's this all about sex? Huh? Because <laughs> <laughs> y'all let that go. You're in the middle of it. <laughs> you can't let her slide. <laughs> sex. Um, I think one thing to understand about this whole keeping the blood pure, I think this is what you were talking about. Yes. Uh, if you want to go ahead and continue, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it depends what kind of person you are, um, whether you want to date interracially or not. If you're the kind of person that only likes one particular kind of woman and you feel that this act ethnic group of women is that type of woman you need in your life then that's that's cool too but it's a fetish yeah not always but it can go there and you have to be like i've been there you know but <laughs> i do feel i do feel like you can be aware of yourself and your ancestors and date outside of your actual race. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be upset if you choose to sleep with your oppressors <laughs> and get a couple hairy eyeballs from a few of us people that may have been oppressed. Hmm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I, I, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of blood purity is, yes, it goes back to eugenics, goes back to, like, keeping white people pure. There's a whole thing behind that. It still exists. But I think one thing to, it's important to, to remember is that not all blood is, is the same in terms of the power structure of, of this country, of this world. Um, so, uh, right, so the idea of marrying up, marrying white or marrying asian right this whole Issa ray thing i don't know if y'all been keeping up with that but uh so it's not really a, a neutral thing about uh you know if you marry somebody who is white or marry someone who is uh, not white uh whiteness has a certain appeal to it historically right so it's so not all blood is the same in terms am i making sense here yes, in terms of, yes. of historically what the resonance of of the blood is so if a white person marries a black person um, what is the perception of that actual, the white person, 
right? The white male with the black girlfriend uh, versus the, the the white male with the, the Asian girlfriend or the Chicana girlfriend, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so not, historically speaking, not all blood is, is the same as what I'm trying to say. Um, so it matters, right? It matters what that that person that you're dating interracially, who they are, um, there's an idea of marrying up, right? Mm. And, and I think we got we got to take that into account. And it's a problem. Is what I'm trying to say. The whole Issa Rae thing. If people haven't been keeping yes, I was just about to that. say. Can you please enlighten us? Yes. So she wrote about a book three years ago. I love Issa Rae. I love her Me, show. I love her too. Uh, three years ago, she she came out with a book, and it, she has a whole chapter of of black women needing to find and marry Asian men. Like that's that's her goal. Mm. Now why is this? Mm, that's a boast. <laughs> so, you know, statistically speaking, in terms of dating, black women and Asian men are the lower yeah, rungs yeah, of, yeah. of They're like, the desirability. They're the most desexualized desex- or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, least desired in the dating, the online dating world and maybe the real dating world or whatever. And so I, I think it's a satirical chapter, what she, she wrote in her book. It's satirical, right? It's supposed to be comedy, but she's kind of serious at the same time. It's, if these are the two de- undesirable groups, they should just be together and, and have sex and have children. And you know, but have you ever right? seen a black Asian baby? Blasian babies are fladorable! <laughs> Yo! <laughs> right? So there's what a lot of blowback from mean? that. There's a lot of blowback in terms of people saying, okay, what about, you know, you being a woke black woman, why don't you keep it with me? There's a bunch of different uh, conversations around her saying that, like this whole blood purity uh, idea of black staying with black, why are you going to Asian men, like what's the point of that? That's her defense. Uh, I don't know, I don't know if she commented on that, but there are both sides, there's all kinds of sides to the story, people defending her, right? It's the whole thing. Maybe it's just because of my Facebook feed, but um, I've been seeing all kinds of the story. Yeah, all sides. We have a uh, comment from the audience. Uh, Bridget Samuel, she says, you'll never get You'll never get different results if you stay within your comfort zone. Dating a different race may not be what you're used to, but don't count it out until you try it. One of my best dates was with a white man. Well, listen, (laughs) and this goes back to what I was saying about I think this whole thing is subjective. I don't think that this is a binary issue where you can say, Yes, to to date outside your race is is right, and anybody that believes opposite is 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 racist. Or you know, date dating only within your race is right, and anybody that thinks op- opposite is is a is not woke is is a Becky, whatever. I I think this all comes down to who you are and what your strategy is. We'll take it back to Childish Gambino. Where his, where his career started in comedy, network TV, primarily white audiences already had there. He was, he was a blurred. This, this is just how he related. Mm-hmm. And then just white people related to him back. And then he brings in sort of his community issues probably as he starts to get more woke and he starts to grow up. And this is just his strategy to sort of like bring everybody together and I think that's a good strategy for him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there are some people whose strategy works better an exclusion strategy for me personally doesn't work right I just 
I like too many people, mm -hmm. I like to talk too much, and I'm into too many things to sort of like pick one and go. Well, here's <laughs> a question though, right? Here, here's my question to you for, for everybody. Uh, there's a difference, I think, of individuals choosing their preference, right? So people have their own personal preference, that's cool. Right. But what happens when it's a macro phenomenon where people who are, who are educated, have a certain social class, certain circles that they run through, um, I'm in academia, so I see this all the time, of, of certain people who have a wokeness to them, they're, they're educated and they're cultured. What if that macro group of people uh, prefer white partners? You get what I'm saying? So if mm -hmm. I go to an academic conference, uh, I see people of color, women and men, and their partners are probably more white. Mm -hmm. Black women, white men, whatever, right? This happens all the time. So what happens when it's a larger phenomenon rather than an individual okay that's an exception they like white people that's cool to me what happens if it's a larger phenomenon is are we okay with that i see that as a symptom not yeah. as a, a phenomenon itself so so you know you think oh and those levels of academia you know when there are the sparse people of color and their spouses are majority white well that's because the room is majority white I was yeah. You know? yep. So like I was gonna we, say that. We, that means that's a symptom of we need to get more people of color up throughout academia. We need to get this is in my in my this was my solution for, for the whitewashing of the art culture in Lancaster. That I was like, there are people of color out here doing big things, nobody's listening to them. I'm a person of color, I'm gonna make you listen. Right. Right. One um <coughs> one of the things um uh Wednesday I was at um, on the Barnstormers game, and um, and I was uh, talking to one of the owners, um, and and he was saying that like there's there's a real lack of interest of baseball in Lancaster, and I was like there's there's not like there's there's a whole like if you go down look behind. George Washington uh, Elementary School, like there's a whole league, you know, of, of 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 little elementary school kids that's been going on. And I done seen more viewers and spectators at their low event. Right, than right. At the stadium. Right, and then 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 there's another league that's been um, right by Water Street. Mm -hmm. Right across from UGI. And I sat in on the game. Oh, I even sat in those games. Those games are good. Yeah, yeah. Those games, and and I'm like, no, 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 no. no. That's because you're up here in um in in your Willy Wonka factory <laughs> <laughs> slash Clipper Stadium. You know, you're up here. You're not integrating yourself mm -hmm. with the common folk. Right. So, I was going to ask you, mm -hmm. I see you had them $2 tickets for sale. Yes. Ah, did you get rid of some of them? Look, they are trying to sell out the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> they trying to sell out the stadium. I got the tickets for the low. <laughs> just, yes, I'm yes. Just two, two, $2 tickets is, is one day only. It's uh, the uh, 21st of uh, June. Um, and they're trying to trying to trying to pack, pack it, out. it out. Yeah, they're trying to pack it out. So, you know. But I think this is I I think that's sort of what people aren't understanding when things like this happen. Oh, there isn't a big interest in in baseball among people of color among the community. There isn't a big interest 
um, in in working for the publishing firms downtown and people of color. Oh, we would hire people of color if they would apply. How are you making yourself attractive to them? Right. They are the majority of the city. Why aren't you? Why are you saying, well, this is what works for thirty percent of the city? Right. Why isn't it working for the rest of them? Maybe take some time to get to know your culture so that we can have more diversity. And instead of insisting upon assimilation to get into the minority, why don't you assimilate? Right. I've been saying this forever. White people assimilate already. Damn. <laughs> so Mark, tell us a little bit more about the subjects and topics that you cover in your course. So I teach a course called Hip Hop, The Politics of Culture. And, and basically what the, the class is about, it's kind of what we're talking about here is, is who, who gets to be an authentic person representing hip hop, re representing blackness, um, etc. Um, and so just to go back to the Issa Rae thing, um, she says, I, I, you know, the story isn't over in terms of what she said. Black women and Asian men need to date each other, need to have kids. She also said this, she said, uh, they should date Asian men Korean, Vietnamese, but not Filipinos. She said that because the Filipinos are the black people of Asia or whatever. She said this in, in her in her chapter, and Wait, this is not a stereotype. I know I don't know. It's it's kind of a thing that that exists. I kind of in felt the world. like Latinos have taken on Filipinos as like one of our. Own, it's kind of a complicated. Right? So this is what my class is kind of about: is who gets to be what, and what's the controversies around racial representation and authenticity. Who's, you know what? Who's Asian, right? Who, who gets to be black so there's a whole uh, I'm glad you you're here because I just last week right after last week's podcast I finished that what's her but the girl from the NAACP they just had a documentary on her wow. now to me this was cut and dry before I saw this documentary this was black and white <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> To me, I'm like, okay, this is a crazy person, transracial. <laughs> then you hear about her story a little bit. She was raised by like super overly religious white parents in Montana who adopted like four black kids. Okay. Mm. They, they were well-meaning or whatever, but they didn't, they, they adopted four black kids and did not prepare them. This is that well-meaning white, I don't see yeah. race. How will I ever so do your hair? They didn't see race, so they the didn't prepare side. their right. black kids for being black in Montana. In Montana. Wow, yeah. that was bold. So the, then the religion gets crazy, and Rachel feels more and more separated from her parents because they're just kind of crazy poop. So now she's starting to form a community with her siblings who are really struggling with their identity. And the only thing they really have is, is her. And so it's this almost synergy of well, we need to we're, we're identifying with Rachel because she's our sister she became a mother figure to us even though we're struggling with this racial identity and in return she was like okay you are my siblings and I'm taking care of you and so I'm sort of absorbing and I don't relate to my own family so I can relate to your not being able to relate mm -hmm. and it just made the matter a little more gray for me now I still think she's a little crazy but yeah. Because yeah. she she said something like, "Oh, I'll remain unapologetically black." Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
But it it did give yeah. it gave the issue some gradient. For mm -hmm. me. But the point being, she's still white. Like she still benefits from white privilege, so she can still say, "I am black. I'll put my hair in a certain way." Uh, does she does she color her skin? Or I don't know. I what think else? she Whatever. takes she tans. tans. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. she could she could be proud to have black siblings and not do that. You get what I'm saying? She could right. be a woke white lady, and that's fine. Right. Yes. That's fine. So transracial is, is such. But but the more I thought about it, when I watched this documentary, because she kind of made the distinction between being transracial and transgender, I in my brain, when I'm like doing the crossy of the arguments, I can't find an argument that you could make for being transgender that you also can't make for being transracial. I, to me, in my brain, I haven't to yet. I have not because you could say the same thing about privilege with with Caitlyn Jenner. All right, she benefited her entire life and career from being a white man. And then once the career was over, oh, well, I want to be a lovely woman. And, and, and women are like, okay, cool, she yeah. She made you. a career out of that, and woman then made of a the year. Out of that. Yeah. And In some circles. And cisgender people don't have that, that privilege. It, I, I, I was born a woman, I feel like a woman, and, and I, I can't be a white man even if I try. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. The, the documentary got me screwed up in the head. <laughs> so, so I think with uh, Rachel, and she's she's not very interesting. She's very easy to start off. She she's a joke. She's a jerk. And um, with her, okay, let's talk about transracial transgender, right? Because race is a social contract because we all come up with the idea of what our race is assuming. Right. Just like Mark was saying, who gets to We're be what? Filipinos get to be over Asian time. or Latino. Right. But here's where that there's a loss here. Race is biological. Like that's But so is gender. And so I can't but exactly. So so no, no, definitely. But here's where it comes down. There's um, there's no equality as far as like the races go. So, her being born as a white lady, this is like the ultimate privilege of whiteness because I myself, I, Atlanta season one did a great episode. With it. What the, what type of IPAs do you have on tap? <laughs> Listen, if I came up to you guys and said I'm, I'm a white man. You call me John Minor, the white man, and that's how I identify. The cops gonna notice that. The places that I right. apply for are gonna notice that. Right. It is where you can kind of go on a slippery slope trying to compare the two. Mm -hmm. Is like there's a lot of nuance to be had, and mm -hmm. it really is kind of um, I can't drop my blackness. Mm -hmm. Any brown person can't drop their blackness, but a white person they can drop their whiteness and pick it back up and it's been done like and yep. we can talk about it musically uh musically we look at some of the people who transition from more of an urban sound from like our justin timberlakes so if you listen to his recent album kind of transition miley cyrus she dated mike will made it in the club half perp with my jays on yeah and now she's back to whiteness it's a thing and it's really something that it's um a lot of people are predatory when especially when you're talking about it with black women because black women drive the culture if you look at beyonce mm -hmm. you look at rihanna if you look at all of these things that you guys do and, and really just just kick ass like it's it's copied <laughs> and it is it's very much emulated in the music and the sound but and how the comes when we do it and it's our nature how comes it's called like sassy 
or ghetto. Yeah, it's it's not being it's not always praised as being like queen like uh-huh. or you know if you're decisive yeah. you're bossy. You can't be a decisive woman. You're a woman and you're bossy. You know, and a bitch at that. You know, not being it's never okay to be as strong and boisterous and assertive as your male counterpart. And that's kind of where we get our attitudes from sometimes. And I think a lot of that has to do with black women are a part of this, um, what we call it, um, you're, you're doubly oppressed, so you're black and you're a woman. And woman. Yeah. So, and like us as black men, we don't do a good enough job like sticking up and trying to do that. I mean, the biggest reason why that there's a lot of things because it's a, it's a, more like Western civilization, how we drive, like we're a patriarchal society. So that goes on with all the races. So, and in a lot of dominant. brown culture, we still struggle with machismo. Exactly, exactly. So we don't do a good enough, we don't do a good enough job of like like downplaying that and then you think about white supremacy as a whole and how that dominates and uh, defines the culture because white supremacy defines the culture even if we want to admit it or not admit it does and so trying to even if you think about what Kanye West is doing right now and I know we're not talking about him but like getting close to rich white men whatever that looks like that drives black men that does. So who's left in the back to hold the bag? So now you look at what you just asked. Why am I looked at as ghetto or this and that? And it has a lot to do with the lack of equality between black men and black women. And then on top of that, they're just women. And we don't do, none of the cultures do really well with respecting or giving you this platform and not uh, disrespecting. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't want to uh, uh, lead this conversation, uh, but but we do uh, have a uh, special guest with us uh, today. Um, uh, first of all, John. So so. Thank you for coming. You know, um, tell the people who you are, what you do. Yeah yeah. So yeah, my name is John Mine. I'm, I'm from here, from Lancaster County, born and raised. Um, right now, I am a financial analyst with uh, Citibank. Um, kind of a weird career trajectory for me because you kind of hear me talk. I'm really into the social issues and stuff. Graduated with a criminal justice major and a sociology minor from small liberal arts college out there in uh, Williamsport called uh, Lycoming College. Uh, this is the type of stuff I've just been passionate about recently, and especially with the election in 2016. And, you know, I'll give you a little bit of background about me and why I'm passionate about some of the stuff I'm passionate about. Um, so when I was about to... And I say this too, because we were close family friend, Hadassah. Mm -hmm. She's going to college right now. And I was talking to, I don't know who I was talking to. And I was like, damn, I graduated at a great time. I don't know how I could have been an undergrad or a student during Black Lives Matter or Trump. Woo! Oh, my Lord. So, with me, I graduated in 2012. So, what's important about that? So, February 2012, Trayvon Martin was murdered in Florida. It was 60 days before George Martin was even charged. Uh, uh, what's his name? Sharpton. All those people had to go down there and rush, bum rush Florida. And what Trayvon Martin civilized, uh, symbolized for me, and why I'm passionate about what I'm passionate about today, was he symbolized that the people that I grew up with don't get it. They don't get it. And I really just got to see a lot of people that I thought I knew I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of took me down this path of 
trying to understand blackness and do the pro-blackness stuff, but I was flawed. I was really flawed because uh, a lot of the things that I was into was just about the black man. And not pan-African, I was never that pro-black, but mm -hmm. it was more along the lines, it just wasn't intersectional. So I'm gonna plug a podcast here for you guys. Mm -hmm. and you definitely should need to check this out. It's called The Black Eye of Tips. This is a uh, wife and husband, Rod and Karen. They, they're from, they're out of Charlotte, North Carolina. They're dope, dope as hell. Mm -hmm. And so, essentially, Rod, what he did is what a lot of people in America need. What he did for me was he opened my eyes up as a straight cisgender black man of the other things that are going on in our community that I don't pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And so, being a part or listening to that, I realized how stupid just like a lot of the arguments and ideas that I cultivated were and I started to really actually get an understanding for uh, rape culture and mm -hmm. understanding what transgender was and how silly it was uh, with just how um, like masculinity kind of drives and determines our thoughts and how silly some of those social constructs were mm -hmm. and so it was a really insightful lesson and I'm I'm just out here I how, how can I ask a white person to give me equal rights but I can't look at my own brothers and sisters and be like give them it back mm -hmm. like, gay brothers and sisters lesbian transgender women if I can't give that back how the hell am I gonna ask for it so I've just been on this this, this trip just trying to understand all these different intersections mm -hmm. of blackness which has led me to actually understanding feminism as a whole not just black feminism understanding transgender as a whole understanding the whole lgbtq community so it just is a my whole experience ever since about 2014 has been about inclusion all over the board and don't get us wrong, i love blackness i love black people but it's not just about us it's about a lot of other people too and that's what that's what, that's why i'm here today hip-hop and politics uh Starting conversations and everything like that, uh, bringing bringing great minds together. Um, I, I want to uh, uh, keep this um, um, insightful conversation um, going, um, which, which is one of the reasons why we brought Jamil on uh, to today. Um, not only uh, is he uh, a, a fellow shipmate and everything like that, uh, but he's also a uh, advocate for uh, lupus. Um, one disease uh, that that I know that is not discussed enough um, in the black community, um, not discussed enough, uh, period, I believe. Um, so uh, please uh, tell, tell us um, what what is lupus? Okay, so lupus is an inflammatory disease. It's your immune system attacking your body. So you can't, there are certain symptoms, like if I have it and he has it, there are two different ways that you wouldn't even tell that we have it the same. Like my mother has it, mm -hmm. Annette Boyne's my dad, Walter Lack has it. But her, she goes through, she has flare-ups, she'll have scars on her body, she'll have black patches. But my dad, all he has is a little patch right here and he put ointment on it and that's it. Mm -hmm. So there's two different cases where whoever has it, they're not the same at all. So this disease is, is an enigma and you can't, you can have the symptoms for years and you won't even get diagnosed until you have 
your blood and urine tested. So my mom had it, I guess she got diagnosed in 2012, but she had patches, flare-ups for years and didn't know what was going on. So when she got diagnosed, I was confused about it. I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. She was confused and as soon as she got it, I said, I'm going to support you 100%. Whatever you need, I advocate for it. We go on walks, we go to D.C., we go to New York. Um, Maryland, wherever the walks are, we go for it. So even next week, so the twentieth, we're having a bowling event in Harrisburg to spread awareness. This is our second year doing it. Shout out to my guy uh, Bash and Game Changer Promotions for throwing it. Uh, it's just to spread awareness. I don't think there's a lot of people that know about it. Um, it's more so known into the African-American, Hispanic, and Native American women. They're the most that have it. Uh, out of all of those that have it, 10% of men also have it. So we can get it too, but it's mostly known in the minority of women. So Caucasians do also get it as well, but it's not commonly known. It's just within the minority. So came to you and I said, hey, man, I want to get on your platform yeah. and spread this information, man. Yeah, so, so um, uh, your, your nonprofit, um, mm -hmm. um, specifically, what do you guys do uh, for, for uh, um, lupus and the lupus um, s survivors and, and, and so forth? Well, for me, I'm with my mom and her platform. As soon as she got it, she said, I just want to advocate and get it out there. Now, there are other, I say, celebrities that do spread the, uh, spread it out, like Trick Daddy has it, mm. Snoop Dogg's daughter has it, Tashina Arnold, uh, who played Pam and Martin, mm. she has it. Um, but they they also advocate as well. You just have to pay attention to them, but it's so, the world is so big, you may not even know. So for her, my mom, I said, I'll be along with you. We have notes. Uh, pamphlets like the event that we're going we have shirts uh, articles pamphlets everything that you can learn about it so it's just more just a, a little platform that we're going to get you can get there in bold but also know about what this disease is so that's what we're doing all right and um and before we uh conclude this uh um portion of the interview uh what is special about this month lupus awareness month all so right. every during May, that's what it's known for. Uh, also, as well, my mom lives in Atlanta now, but when she was in Harrisburg, she got Stilton, York, Harrisburg, Shippensburg, uh, Middletown, to all recognize that May is Lupus Awareness Month. So sometime during this month, if you're in Harrisburg, you'll see the capital turn purple. Hmm. During that night to recognize lupus. I don't know when it's going to happen, but every year they do it So yeah, That's what we do man. All right Appreciate you coming through. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is hip-hop and politics. We're gonna get to the music and then uh, come back with uh, a little bit of the show
Many are battered and bruised, so confused. Real life stresses and drugs abused. Pain seen through the teardrops in their eyes. Filled with turmoil and despair in their lives. Many are battered and bruised, so confused. Real life stresses and drugs abused. Pain seen through the teardrops in their eyes. Filled with turmoil and despair in their lives. Here's the situation. Stop faking. <laughs> Cause Satan is here for the taking Who's shaking it and baking it The heat is on The only way you're making it Is through God's grace Embrace it Stop talking trash and basing it All the cash and dreams you're wasting it Redemption's here He paved it I'm a living proof yeah. My testimony yeah. He gave it Come on Many are battered and bruised So confused Real life stresses and drugs abused Pain seen through the teardrops in their eyes Filled with turmoil and despair in their lives Many are battered and bruised, so confused Real life stresses and drugs abused Pain seen through the teardrops in their eyes Filled with turmoil and despair in their lives You can't even catch up on the bills Filled with anxiety, worry and ills You look for an easy way out And so you pop some pills A quick fix, a ill mix You need cash down So you turn some tricks In the heat of the night You meet John Doe at the flicks Killed over a crazy chick Packing a bag of buck 50 slick You hit time to let go and let God Take an inventory of your life and what you saw Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord Surrender it all and let them shape and mold Overwhelm and hold you And life is short before it's through And no more darkness being doomed You're a new creation uh -huh. Uh -huh. No more situation That's right. That's right You're a new creation Come on Many are battered and bruised So confused Real life stresses and drugs abused Whoa. Pain seen through the teardrops in their eyes Filled with turmoil and despair in their lives Many are battered and bruised So confused Come on. Real life stresses Stresses and drugs abused Pain seen through the teardrops in their eyes Filled with turmoil and despair in their lives You can't find relief living a fast life Selling drugs, gang banging street, thugging up all night Police cars chasing, crazies racing And while you're driving and ducking, your homeboy's blazing Headed for disaster, shouts of laughter Overpowered the crowds trying to stop you For being mangled and tangled, pimps down, strangled across the street To be boys dancing to the drummer's beat Too late, car explodes, hitting the front gate Loud boom, so profound, people standing around Curious at what just happened with no smile But a frown on every face with shock and amazement A deadly arrangement all involved, dead on the pavement I can't entertain it, a deadly arrangement All involved, dead on the pavement I can't entertain it Come on. Many are battered and bruised, so confused Real life stresses and drugs abused Come on. Pain seen through the teardrops in their eyes Filled with turmoil and despair in their lives Many are battered and bruised, so confused Real life stresses and drugs abused Pain seen through the teardrops in their eyes Filled with turmoil and despair in their lives Yeah, you see... Many in this world are battered and bruised. Many people are addicted to substances that control their lives. You need to wake up and not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah, there's hope. And again, um, if you uh, want to uh, enter your uh, uh, music, submit your music uh, to uh, Hip Hop and Politics, You can always uh, email it to us at hiphopandpolitics717 at gmail.com. Once again, that's hiphopandpolitics717 at gmail.com.
Uh, so, um, b- before we on uh, he- head on out, um, interesting topic. Uh, when I uh, first started talking to uh, um, Mark and was um, I- introduced to him uh, uh, through Selena. Uh, shout out to Selena. Uh, she, she's a listener of, of the show. Shout out, Selena. Yeah. Uh, but um, he he hit on uh, something specifically that uh, that I was kind of um, ignorant to. Um, Filipinos influence in hip hop and I was very intrigued about that and uh and I'm I'm, I'm gonna let him to uh, uh I'm, I'm gonna have to take some time to uh educate our uh, audience on on uh the influence yeah so just to introduce myself again my name is Mark Villegas um, I'm assistant professor in American studies at Franklin and Marshall I just started here so I'm from Southern California, but also from Florida. I grew up in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, most of my life. Um, but I've lived on different Navy bases because my father is retired Navy. Uh, so one thing that, that I think my students are learning from me as I teach classes on hip-hop, um, the class is called, again, Hip-Hop, the Politics of Culture, is that Filipinos have had influences in a lot of places around the country, but especially where you have a large Navy presence. So uh, Virginia Beach, San Diego, San Francisco Bay Area, uh, Law Beach where I grew up too, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, you have a lot of Filipinos and therefore you have a lot of uh, people who are doing hip hop, DJs and, and dancers, especially not so much rap, that's more uh, later on, um, the mid 2000s. Um, but I think one thing I want students to learn from my classes is that a lot of people have influenced hip hop, yes in terms of blackness, like black people are the originators and the ones who pass on the culture. Um, uh, but we cannot neglect Latinos, Puerto Ricans who have been influential in hip hop since the beginning. And when I throw in the Filipino thing, they're like, okay, what is that? You know, like, what what are you talking about? I think a lot of people don't know about the West Coast in general. Mm-hmm. So that's where Filipinos are mainly dominating. So uh, Daily City, San Francisco, Bay Area, DJing. If anybody's into hip hop in terms of the really nerdy, like, deep stuff with, like, the sound of turntables and all that, like mixing and, and scratching and all that, they know that Filipinos have changed the game since the late 80s, maybe 94, 95, 96 was the, the heyday uh, of, of DJing, turntable mixing and all that, and Filipinos were the ones who changed the sound. Scratch Pickles, um, yeah, Knuckle Neck Trout, knuck, yeah, a lot of folks in the, in the West Coast, I can't really name the names because you know that was before my time, but um, they really set it off in, in making the way that people, uh, the way that the sound sounds and we can't neglect that and African American DJs will recognize that. They mm-hmm. know they know that Filipinos uh, were a part of that. They're not like in their own separate camp we'll do our Filipino thing. They were in it with Zoo Nation, they're in it with mm-hmm. Rocksteady Crew, they're in it with all kinds of competitions and with dancing too. Now you have a lot of Asian kids who are doing it, but it's mm-hmm. Filipinos who set it off since the mid eighties who are in hip hop dancing were the best dancers where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And people who are don't have Filipino friends don't know that. Right. If you're from Virginia Beach, Pharrell's from Virginia Beach, he knows that. Mm-hmm. He knows that Filipinos were part of that scene. Uh, Chad Hugo is his partner in beat making. He's a Navy brat, and he's part of that sound, that Neptune sound. Um, so that's what I do. I talk about, like, are Filipinos, I pose that question to my students, are they legitimate uh, participants and players in hip-hop? If so, why or why not, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, can Asian people, I don't know, are we Asian? I don't know, right? Can, can we be considered part of of hip-hop culture and and not be seen as fake 
you know? <clears throat> I, have a multi I have a multitude of responses with that, and I love the controversy. I don't have one answer to it, mm. right? So I let people marinate on that. Uh, are they second-rate or whatever? Uh, one thing I do know is that, hey, they've been in it for a long time. You can't, you can't deny that. These are right. facts, right? No, so. and it's amazing how big in Asia and China, like, that the b-boy culture is yeah. like fashion and music wise like these a lot of these kids their whole lives revolve around hip-hop mm -hmm. learning the dances the fashion the music keep in mind this isn't their language you know and these people can recite Eminem and Jay-Z and these other artists word for word more so than American fans yeah. so I I think it's amazing yeah that's a new thing like Asia in terms of dominating hip-hop and dance and all that that's probably what early 2000s late 90s you know with Korea becoming a dominant player in in hip-hop but I would say this is that Filipino Americans who are from the States they were doing this even way before that mm -hmm. like I would even I would say this and I need some backup for folks who who might know more about this uh, who are watching or listening is that I would say that Filipino Americans who grew up here who grew up in, in San Francisco Bay who grew up from New York City whatever they went to Asia and taught those Asian kids like, oh. they, they taught them how to dance a lot of them not all of them right and, and so they, there's a professionalization of hip-hop in, in the probably mid-2000s where people made careers of going to Asia and, and teaching how to dance hip-hop dance, and they were choreographers. And I know, I know people doing that right now who are in their 40s, late 30s, uh, who are Filipino-Americans who grew up in San Francisco, L.A., Vegas, and they performed on the different competition shows that were very popular. Uh, and, and now they're making their careers where the money is and where's that money the money is in asia mm. and they're teaching them how to dance and they're, they're doing it they're doing fine <laughs> they're doing fine what do you think that was the draw what do you think ultimately i mean i guess it would only be opinion but between filipino culture and and hip-hop culture that that made that there's such a like good yeah well there's a lot of i mean i think the parallel would be latino puerto ricans Right, so Puerto Ricans, of course, a lot of them are black. And so for Filipinos, that's less so. I mean, there are multiracial Filipinos, and Filipinos are not a race, right? It's just mestizaje and a lot of mixture, but they're mainly seen as Asian people. I get that. Um, but uh, I would say that uh, colonization is a big part of that. So you had the Spanish for over 300, 300 years, right? So you have this westernization that already exists in that part of the world, and you have the Americans. With, you know, took over the Philippines after just the same way that they took over Puerto Rico, Cuba. Um, at the same time, Guam, you have that tri that this type of uh, taking over of land and people and Americanized them, made them, you know, salute to the American flag. They're they're Anglophone people. They speak English because of the American system. So I think that has to do with it, Americanizing people, Americanizing Puerto Ricans, making them feel like they're a part of this, but yet still not because they're they're not white, right? They're not right. white enough. Right. I think that has to do with it. Filipinos coming here in the 20s and especially after the 60s where they're like okay we can play this game we can be American too but they're not quite right they mm. can speak the language they can dance the dance but yet they're not still accepted you can hear this in the music of, of a lot of Philam rappers that you know we are we are part of this social justice movement we want to be, become part of this nation state um, and yet, you know, we're still we're still seen as less than, mm -hmm. and that's what the music tells us. Mm -hmm. what my friends rap about my um, some of my colleagues, 
nothing that has to do with it, right? Is is being colonized and being told that we're a democracy, that we're all like trying to find enlightenment, and then when you come to this country, you're treated differently, right? Like you're second class. Um, and I think music, dance, all that arises out of that tension. Mm -hmm. I would say that. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. different factors. I know my dad said he he grew up on Puerto Rico and he was born there, grew up there, didn't move to the States when he was like 16. And he said the exact same thing. He moved here with all this in his head. You're American. You're one of us. Blue, blah, blue. And the white people didn't want anything to do with him. But he said he got here and the black people were just like totally embraced him. And that sort of got him into, at the time in the 70s, it was reggae. That he was, and he got got him in love with reggae because it was just the black community that embraced him. Plus, that Caribbean sound probably made him feel a little at home. <laughs> <laughs> true, <Yeah>. true. <laughs> yeah. So that's the one thing that Puerto Rico, I think Puerto Ricans have, is that they have the Afro diasporic influence of mm -hmm. music of, of you know being African descent too. But that that swing, that sound is still there in Puerto Rico and in hip hop. And people want to just mm. make it separate. Like, no, hip hop is hip hop. And then the Latino stuff, we don't want that. So people want to separate it. But then if you listen to hip hop early, in 2018, takes so much from the Caribbean. It's, it's yeah. all it's Caribbean sounding. Yeah. yeah, it's like a return, right? It's mm -hmm. like a return to the Afro diasporic sound. Mm. Whereas people, you know, maybe before were like, no, this is black American music. Um, has nothing too much to do with Latinoness, but now we see a return to that, where like Rihanna, right, even Alicia Keys, mm -hmm. like you have folks who have bringing that sound, reggaeton is part of mm -hmm. the, the hip-hop landscape and legitimately, whereas before, like, no, we're gonna separate the two. Right. That's the Latino stuff, right. and we have our hip-hop New York-based stuff, but now we see that it's, it's all kind of mixing up, and it has always been, though, mm -hmm. I would say it has always mm -hmm. been. Mm -hmm. All right, well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, another, another uh, successful enlightened uh show hip-hop and politics gentlemen i want to thank all three of you for coming in um i hope that this won't be the last time um uh, we, we definitely have to bring you back on uh, uh because our people need to know about finances and everything gotcha <laughs> and everything like that um uh you, you know we need to continue this conversation uh and 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 go more in depth uh you have a uh, um um class uh can you tell us a little bit uh about your class just a little little tidbit yeah so again hip-hop the politics of culture uh, at franklin and marshall american studies we talk about authenticity who gets to be black who gets to be asian who gets to be hip-hop who gets to be latino um and it's not a colorblind class, I'm, I know it might sound like that, but it's really trying to cement the idea that race and narrative have power. And so you can't be like a Rachel Dallazell and say, I'm going to be hip-hop, I'm going to be black. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, we complicate it, we, we uh, really introduce the controversy and talk about it. And to have them really think about race, racial power and privilege in this country through hip-hop, that's what we do in the class. Alright, any um, e events coming up, Jamil? Yeah, well, like I said before, this next Sunday, um, the 20th, we're having a bowling event, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at ABC East Lanes on Eisenhower Boulevard from 5 to 8. Please come through if you're available. Uh, come learn about lupus again, you know, and get some strikes involved, too. That's what we got going on right now. I know there's always going to be a bunch of walks, uh, but right now we got the, um, the lupus event with the bowling. That's what we got going on. All right. 
ladies, newly uh, uh, appointed board member. Scoop, <laughs> <laughs> scoop! Yes. If you care about your roads, if you care about your school, if you care about your libraries, if you care about housing, yeah. if you care about anything, go vote. Go vote. <laughs> go vote. Go vote. Absolutely. Thanks Nina? for listening. Yes, yes. And we're going to leave it there, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to piggyback off of Nina. Thanks for listening. Like we always do, like we always say, get active, get involved. Peace.